Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Um Earlier this morning, uh, Amelia Brock and I were having a conversation about how do we open our show today. Um, I think those of you who listen regularly uh, know that uh, sometimes they just open my microphone and I just sort of start talking for better or worse. But quite often, Amelia has good suggestions for me about, um, you know, something a little bit uh, more uh, uh, organized to frame the conversation. And and this morning she suggested what I thought was a really good idea. You know, we were on the air yesterday live at two o'clock, unusual for us, and we scheduled a live show because we expected to spend much of the hour uh, talking about the latest developments in the runoff election, Raphael Warnock and um, uh, uh, John Ossoff, and we were hoping to follow whether or not John Ossoff had uh, been declared a winner. Uh, we started down that path, but as I think everybody knows by now, if you were listening, uh, very, very quickly, we began getting little bits and pieces about the siege that was beginning to take place at the U.S. Capitol. And um, Amelia said, you ought to tell people what it felt like that one of the last things you narrated on the show was the fact that we, we just learned shots had been fired inside the U.S. Capitol building. Um, I, I, over a long career in broadcasting, I have had the opportunity to, in fact, narrate live breaking news stories on many occasions, but I don't think I've ever had um, a moment to say something as chilling uh, as the fact that a mob had taken over the U.S. Capitol, shots were fired. Uh, we now know that uh, four people died, one by gunshot, the other three medical emergencies apparently, in the siege yesterday. We know that 14 uh, off law enforcement officers uh, were injured to one extent or another. Um, so it was an extraordinary afternoon for all of us here on our show and for all of you uh, who are listening across the state and beyond. At the same time, we were also getting word that it was becoming clearer and clearer that John Ossoff would be declared the winner of his race against David Perdue, which would cement a Democratic majority in the United States Senate. Uh, so there were these contrasting stories a Georgia changing dramatically uh, based on the votes largely of um, more progressive Democrats who have lost their voice in Georgia for many years, and this horrific story out of the state of the U.S. Capitol. Uh, and then, and then uh, to just go take this another step, uh, and then we'll introduce the panel, Sam Burmes Dawes this morning sent me an article from The New Yorker. This is from September. Last September, Jelani Cobb, one of the brilliant writers at The New Yorker, uh, said, this is just a little bit of what he wrote in September. The Trump presidency has been an escalating series of insults, each enabling greater violations of norms, ethics, and laws. That pattern seems poised to upend democracy itself. 
The likelihood of political violence was apparent from the start. Trump's 2016 rallies tipped over into displays of aggression directed at the media and at those who opposed him. And then he ends by saying, we are not doomed to witness a catastrophic tempest this fall, but anyone who is paying attention know that the winds have begun to pick up. Um, So today on the show, we're going to talk about both things. The turnover of the U.S. Senate, the election of both Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, as well as the fallout uh, from the siege on the Capitol yesterday, which, by the way, uh, again, to go look at the positive side of things, as you know, Joe Biden was officially uh, uh, declared the winner of the uh, presidency. He becomes the 46th president of the United States. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get to our panel to talk about all this and more. Um, It's Thursday, the day that um, my good friend and colleague, Kevin Riley, the editor of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joins us. Kevin, I'm glad you're here. In a few minutes, we'll talk about the fact that you're uh, a a colleague of ours and friend and and your employee, uh, Tia Mitchell, was in the House chamber. She was in the gallery overlooking the chamber when all of this began. Um, So you have a fairly personal connection to all of this. Yeah, we did immediately uh, uh, think about, was she safe? Was she okay? And it turns out she's fine, and we'll we'll get to that. And I'm with you, Bill, and what you said to open. Uh, When I started out my day yesterday, I thought, well, we've got uh, two winners in the Georgia Senate races, and we're going to have the electoral vote for president. Uh, Our front page has said I can maybe take it easy today and catch up on some things, and that's your change. Yeah, yeah, very quickly. Um, We're also joined today uh, by Representative Sam Park, uh, a Democrat from Lawrenceville. Representative Park, thank you so much for being with us uh, for the show today. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm happy to be here with you all. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, I think I'm I'm in a state of uh, concern, I think, as many other Americans uh, today as well, um, and look forward to our conversation today. Um, and, of course, uh, on this Thursday, you are also going to have to be getting some rest uh, over the next few days because Monday you begin the 2021 session of the Georgia General Assembly. Are you, are you set for it, Sam? Uh, so as the incoming chair of the Gwinnett delegation, we had a leadership meeting yeah. yesterday. Uh, we plan on hitting the ground running. Uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, legislative session, and uh, we will be ready. Well, thank you for being here as you get prepared for the session. Uh, Rene Alegria is with us again today. He's the president and CEO of Mundo Hispanico, one of the country's largest uh, news sites um, for uh, the Hispanic community and and all of us who like to look at Mundo Hispanico to see what they're reporting. Uh, Thanks for being here, Rene. Of course, Bill. Thank you for for having me. Um, It's a it's a crazy, crazy way to wake up, right, to uh, see the images played back of, of what happened yesterday, how, how the, the capital was under siege. I, I have to say that as a son of immigrants to this country, I was brought up to revere all things associated with American democracy. It, it is the cornerstone of what we all should aspire to internationally. And to see what happened yesterday, um, you know, there's just a bevy of emotions that go through me. I'm sure everyone, you're sad and angry, indignant, but not surprised, you know. So uh, it's, it's thank you for having me. Um, 
Leo Smith is also with us. Leo Smith has been involved in uh, Republican politics in Georgia and beyond for a long time. He he did serve as the minority uh, engagement director of the state party until he left some time ago. He's now the uh, founder and president of Engaged Futures Group. Uh, Leo, you have you saw what you believe to be the writing on the wall about Donald Trump quite some time ago, and you did. Uh, in fact, disavow a relationship uh, with certainly with him, and 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 took took a step back from being involved in state uh, politics. So so let me start with you, if I may. Just uh, tell me, it, the president is now being roundly condemned by virtually everyone on both sides of the aisle, with very few exceptions, and yet, as Renee said. Or, or maybe it was Sam. I'm sorry if I don't remember it off the top of my head. It's not as if this wasn't in the wings, perhaps waiting to happen, given what we've seen over the last five years, Leo. Yes, indeed, Bill. And, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful to Political Rewind where, you know, this concern that I've had for quite some time, even prior and early as 2013, when I think you and Jim Galloway, who's often the uh, who's often on the show, we had a conversation about why I wanted to do the work to work on divided Americans and and to make sure that the left hears the right and the right hears the left. And here we are, um, where we're unwilling to acknowledge the problems in America that really are a threat to our democracy and. And, and I'm just grateful that we've at least begun to plant some seeds and that we know that there is a better path and looking forward to what Republicans will do to create that better path and assure that democracy will be our focus and Americans are what we really are, uh, are what are primary in our minds and, and not this left and right and this, this, this extremism that we're seeing. Well, as we go on in the show, I want to ask you a little bit later if you see that there is some path for Republicans themselves, forget about whether they work with Democrats, but just for Republicans to come together after the way they've been divided by the president. But 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 let me turn to you, if I may, uh, Kevin, uh, to uh, talk a little bit about Tia Mitchell and what she saw. You, of course, talked to her as her boss uh, when she was still, I think, in lockdown somewhere on the in the Capitol complex. Um, and uh, uh, I'll tell you what, why don't you tell us a little about it, and then we'll play a little sound of how Tia narrating what she saw. Well, of course, I mean, she was playing the cover of the proceedings because Georgia's voice was, uh, in some cases, particularly loud on the matter of whether or not the electoral votes were going to be challenged. And as soon as things got uh, violent and scary, our thoughts immediately went to, is she okay? Um her, uh, we we talked to her. Uh, her editor Susan uh, Potter talked to her first, and um, she was she was evacuated along with the other folks in the Capitol, uh, and then locked down in the nearby cafeteria, which is where she was when I talked to her uh, later in the day. She left in such a hurry that she didn't even grab her laptop on her way out, uh, but she did have her phone and a charger, she noted, and access to plenty of snacks. Um, but uh, so she kept. Uh, uh, you know, her normal, really positive attitude. And I think she was shaken. Uh, she did recount the experience today in the paper and, and, uh, and on, on Facebook Live. Um, and, 
And she insisted on continuing to report, of course. You know, she wanted to keep track of what else was going on. So I was uh, glad she was okay. Um, we are we uh, have a lot of trust and love for Tia. And uh, just to see her in the paper, I'm proud to have someone on the staff uh, like that. She was on. She was in the in the House uh, press gallery uh, when all of this uh, developed. And for people who uh, haven't been, say, to the U.S. Capitol, seen the House, the gallery is on the second floor, overlooks the floor of the House, and she was there preparing, as you said, Kevin, to watch how Georgia's delegation, particularly the Republicans, uh, were planning to uh, vote on the challenges to the Electoral College in a number of states. Uh, and uh, she was there when the siege began. And here's just a little bit of the sound of the Facebook live post that she put up uh, a little while after she'd been evacuated. We were told to crouch down. We could hear banging on the doors. Remember, the doors were locked. We could hear banging on the doors. But there was a door leading to the chamber that uh, protesters were trying to breach that would have allowed them inside the chamber. Um, there were police with guns drawn. There was some type of wooden, uh, wooden furniture, like a desk that was used to barricade that door. And we were told to crouch down, to take cover. At that point, there were only about 50 people left inside the chamber that were um, barricaded inside the chamber when that security breach was happening. Um, Representative Lisa Blunt Rochester of Delaware began to pray loudly. It was a powerful moment as she began to pray for her colleagues, pray for peace. So that's uh, Tia Mitchell uh, telling what she uh, saw before she was evacuated. Uh, Sam Park, uh, give us your initial thoughts on uh, watching this unfold yesterday. Uh, so for me, it was just absolutely shocking, um, you know, to watch uh, our U.S. Capitol stormed in, in that fashion. But at the same time, I think, um, you know, following uh, uh, U.S. politics over the past few years, I, I think all of us expected this to happen in, in some form or fashion, um, given all of the rhetoric from Trump, given the demonization um, of, of Democrats and, and political opponents and, and just the hyper-partisan nature um, that we are in. Um, you know, all of that to say, you, you know, I, I think one of my biggest concerns is that uh, yesterday uh, is simply uh, a prelude or a prologue um, to, to what could potentially be, um, you know, continued social unrest over the, over the coming years. Um, and I hope uh, that given the danger uh, and the fragile state of our democracy, um, Republicans and Democrats will really come together, um, find common ground uh, to prevent, uh, to, to protect our democracy and, and find a path forward. Um, so, yeah. Renee, why don't you weigh in with initial thoughts? Yeah, you know, when, when like everybody, you're watching these images, you're, you just can't believe that this is happening. But to echo what, what Sam just said, you're not surprised. I mean, here we, we've had years of misinformation and lies ramped up over the last two or three months by, by Trump and his supporters. And, and, and what, it, what do we have? It's, it's almost a surprise that it isn't as bad as it was. There could have been so many more people dead, explosions, etc. And, you know, so I'm surprised. I'm, I'm, 
I'm relieved that that didn't happen. Not surprised that it happened the way it did. I think I think the juxtaposition of the images of say Georgia's runoff turning blue, flipping the Senate, turning the page making it so that Georgia is leading the charge to what is going to be a new era. And this angry mob and the chapter closing on that whole thing is, is quite extraordinary, you know? And of course, you know, as, as a person of color, you know, you're, you're, you're watching and I'm thinking, what a double standard. I mean, every, every young person of color watching those images is thinking, you know, my teenagers gather on the corner, you know, more than four, they're going to get questioned and arrested. Um, here you have a mob of thousands and they're, they just walk into the Capitol building, you know, and, and we, we've all seen the images of, of the George Floyd protests here in Atlanta, especially where, you know, we're just subjected to it. And the, the force that the, that law enforcement came out against those protesters, um, what happened in DC, you know? So it, there's, a, there's a whole basket of, of things going on in, in, in my mind. And I think that, you know, I'm sure the rest of the country is equally, uh, mixed with how they're reading the, the, the rollout of events. So there are a lot of paths that we can go down, and uh, we will, And but I'm more than happy to let you all make your comments that kind of lead us in, in these various directions we'll go. And given what, Renee, you just said, uh, Leo, let me read an email uh, that, that really speaks to what um, – Renee just talked about. I'm, I'm not going to give the names of people because they haven't given me permission to use them on the air, but, but I got an email this morning from a listener who said, I think that it is worth a mention that when looking at photos from the riot yesterday, I noticed very few, if any, black faces among the rioters. In my mind, this speaks to the racism that has been fomented by Trump's leadership and accepted by his flock. Heartbreaking. And I am an old white dude raised in the deep. Uh, South And um, another uh, uh, person who listens to the show uh, wrote and talked about being a retired Marine Corps officer from the Vietnam era. We fight for people's rights to demonstrate. People don't understand how repulsive, nauseating, you pick the word, it is to me. It will be much worse if people poo-poo it or even justify it. There should be a singularly focused sweep of D.C. and the country to find arrest and try and punish those who took part in this. So, uh, Leo, there was a lot of commentary about the disparity between the way black crowds are handled and were handled throughout the summer and what happened yesterday. You know, no, no, no doubt. Um, you know, I think about the, the young men. Uh, I, I was actually with uh, some young teenagers who wanted to get my perspective on what was going on. And, and, and those stories, Sam and, and, and Bill, were in the hearts of these 13 and 14-year-old brown-skinned boys who were like, Brother Leo, Mr. Smith, would we be able to do that? You know, would we be able to walk and just continue to ignore the police and have them not shoot us? 
that was a real thing. And they're not, it's, that wasn't the first time. They also asked me about Kentucky and why when someone told that they're making bombs in their trailer, the police respected them, uh, you know, but, but not respect the young lady who is in her apartment and break into her door and shoot her and her, and her boyfriend. So because the, the difference is, yes, a white bomb maker, a, a black EMT worker, you know, you know I mean, it's just, it's, it, it, those things are stark. And so, you know, and I told them all voices should be heard. Yes, this is our system. You know, AOC said, you know, protests should be uncomfortable. AOC said that, you know, so, but, but political violence. As Speaker Rawson, I need answers for those kids. I need answers for them. And Speaker Rawson considers the Georgia General Assembly's agenda for the coming year that we have to start talking about political violence. We have to talk about how we define terrorism. And we have to, as social scientists, as social and community leaders, we have to start talking about what's going on in the hearts of ignored whiteness. What's going on here when people have an identity as a Republican or an, a Democrat and not as an American? Bill, you know, one of the voices that spoke up yesterday was Lloyd Pierce, the coach of the Atlanta Hawks, who has, through all of this period of unrest, been a, been a voice uh, uh, that I think a lot of people respect. And, and he said, <clears throat> we quote him this morning and say, you can't say that things are going to change if you don't acknowledge that it's a problem. And when what you're seeing today is a reminder of that, and there is a huge difference. If there were black people protesting things, you know, he notes it would have been very different. And that Lloyd is not a guy who's, who's a yeller and screamer, even on the sidelines. I mean, he is a voice that I think is deeply respected and is comfortable uh, making the statements from the perch that he has, which is one where he can be heard even more than some other people can. So, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the disparities in terms of how Capitol Police addressed the protesters yesterday versus how they trusted the Black Lives Matter protesters last summer um, could not have been more stark. Um, but, but this isn't a, a, an oddity. This is the norm, right? This is the status quo. Um, you know, imagine if, uh, you know, not, not only if there were Black protesters yesterday, but if there were Muslim protesters um, that would have breached the Capitol. You know, what do we see during the Michigan state legislature where armed protesters infiltrated their capital? What did we see yesterday at the Georgia state capitol with a uh, former KKK leader looking for Secretary Raffensperger roaming the halls of our capital here in Georgia? Um, so, so without a doubt, I think, you know, there needs to be uh, not just acknowledgement, not, not just understanding, but there needs to be significant change um, as to, as, uh, you know, to address this matter in order for us to move forward. Uh, you know what, the, I, you, Bill, you had mentioned, um, you used the, the, the phrase, when the siege began. I, listen to these words. I, you know, the, this is the rhetoric that we're, we're now using to discuss individuals that are threatening our system of government that that that's mind-boggling what what i what i do think um is is good here it the, georgians voted for change georgians voted to do away with the current system as we know it so there is a, a new day dawning we've got 13 more days of this administration right 
It's going to be a long 13 days. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, Pence seems to have assumed control in, in so many ways as the, the level-headed figure. Um, but still, we, we as Georgians uh, went to the ballot box, voted in the individuals who are going to represent us, and by, by in turn, you know, flipping the Senate. So there is hope in these dark days. And I, I think that, I, that there are a lot of, certainly in the Hispanic community, uh, individuals who would certainly rally around that, that path of light forward. You know, Renee, uh, following up on that, though, I want to know what you think about this. We have had many periods in, in our history as a country where we've taken these these bold steps, whether electoral or legislatively, you know, the Voting Rights Act, uh, the Civil Rights Act, the Fair Housing Act, the election of, of Barack Obama. I mean, we, I think we'll all recall that when Obama was elected, there there was talk of we are fi- we finally reached a post-racial America. And then it seems like we take a really rough step backward, you know. So, um, I mean, convince me and convince listeners, <laughs> Renee, that this step we've taken in Georgia isn't going to lead to two steps back. Well, I, I, I don't know if I can convince you, Kevin. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I if I can do that. But I, I do. Look, I'm, I come from an immigrant family, right? And we, we are optimists by nature. We move here to this country because we see the, the, we see the beauty of what a better life could be compared to what we are used to, right? Um, we take that into every step we take daily. And with votes, with economic industry, we move forward thinking we can change things, right? as Americans, because that's what we do. If we don't like it, we can change it. Um, so I'm not going to, to abandon that immigrant perspective about why this country is good. You know, I'm never going to give up on what America could be. We just need to be all in, interwoven into the process. It's, a, it's been a beautiful thing to see so many people go out and vote. So many people be a part of this system of change to enact what tomorrow, what, what they think and want their tomorrow to be. Um, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, you, you, you always read about voter apathy. I hope those days are gone. And I hope that because we have finally seen what darkness can really be in this present Trump administration, we can flip and say, you know what, it's, that's not going to happen again. We all can always point to that as let's not do that again. Um, thank you for that, Renee. Uh, I got to get to our first break of the show, but still have so much to talk about. So everybody, please stay with us and we'll be back in just a moment. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. (laughs) 
Um, you just heard a moment ago there was a Klansman walking around the state capitol yesterday while all this was happening in Washington trying to get to uh, uh, trying to locate Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. His office was evacuated uh, because there were concerns uh, for the safety of the secretary and all of his staff members uh, who work in the uh, capitol. Um, I, I want to, in fact, that gives us an opportunity to talk about how all of this uh, played out in, in our state and, and the Georgia connection to all this. And uh, with that in mind, um, let's not forget that the riot that took place at the Capitol yesterday coincided with the what was supposed to be the pro forma business of Congress to uh, open and read the electoral votes of each state and simply rubber stamp that Joe Biden was, in fact, the president-elect of the United States, which is what happened early in the morning or hours this morning. He, he's the 46th president. That's all there is to it. But we know there were a number of people on the Republican side who chose to protest because they had been telling themselves so many stories about fraud. They'd been listening to the president talking so much about fraud, a stolen election, that they decided to support him uh, in his efforts to cast it out on Biden's victory. All right. All right with that in mind, uh, Leo, I'm going to come to you first on this because you are still a Republican. Um, the uh, they finally got back to voting uh, early in, in, in or late last night, and they voted on Arizona, the challenge to the certification of the electoral votes in Arizona. And I just want to read the names of the Georgians who uh, supported the challenge. In other words, said, we don't think the voters of Arizona's vote should matter. They're Americans, but guess what? We think there was fraud, so we're going to just disregard them. Those Georgia uh, representatives were among 121 who voted uh, in favor of the challenge. They were Buddy Carter, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Barry Loudermilk, um, Andrew Clyde, and Jody Heiss. And, Leo, just to put another uh, touch on this, Jody Heiss, as the uh, riot was unfolding, uh, posted a uh, social media uh, post in which he said, and this had been, it was taken down, but people saw it. He called this our 1776 moment. Leo, what do we say about those Georgians who were willing to go along with the president whose charges of fraud and a stolen election are all made out of whole cloth? Well, these are grift moves that we have congressional delegation from Georgia making as Republican. And it saddens me and it hurts, actually, Bill, because Jody Heist, one of his chief staff members, uh, Jessica Moores, was one of my mentees in my minority voter engagement effort. And she's an African-American woman working for him. Okay, uh, Barry Loudermilk, I have facilitated him in the Congressional District 11 where I live. Um, he presented once some civil rights, some, some civic education legislation that I was fully behind for Georgia. Um, and he wanted to actually have an apology for slavery um, that, from Georgia's uh, delegation um, when he was working here in our Georgia General Assembly representing the people. These are people that I have embraced physically. I have held on to them in their shoulder, breast to breast, and prayed with them as brothers. 
And Jody Heist throws up, this is our 1776 moment. Brother Jody, man for life, a woman died. And Vernon Jones they bring on, and they want to parade him around as their showman. And he says, see the whites of their eyes and shoot. A couple of months ago, Vernon Jones, a woman died. Giuliani and his rhetoric in our state capitol, a woman died. This stuff has to stop. And any of my fellow Republicans who, who represent me as a Republican constituent, I employ them as our governor employs. This has to stop. And it's shameful for us to continue this. Bill, I'm glad you mentioned those names because, uh, and one you left out who was leading the charge until she had a sudden change of heart was Senator Kelly Leffler, who, as we said yeah, today, I, is gonna... still our senator. But um, we, as you read the names uh, on the show, we purposely listed those names in today's editorial in the AJC. And I, I think it's a simple thing. These people, these Republicans, oh, Georgians, an explanation. We listed their names, as we say, because we wanted to create a record for history. I believe they have to answer for what they've done, which is to lie and mislead Georgians and Americans. And we saw what the result of that was. I'd like an explanation. Sam? I, I find a, an, an incredible amount of irony here where, you know, during the past election cycle, how often did you hear Republicans say, uh, you know, Democrats are going to destroy this country? And look what happened yesterday where a Trump-led mob infiltrated our U.S. Capitol, where it was a far-right, white nationalistic um, insurrection that we saw yesterday. Um, all of that to say, you know, I would agree with Renee that there is hope. And, and the hope that I have in Georgia are black voters, our Asian American voters, our Latinx voters. It is a next generation who turned out and helped save this country, helped ensure that Georgia and our country would be moving in the right direction to ensure that, that President-elect Joe Biden would have all the support necessary to move forward. And, and I hope the message that Georgia Republicans take away, um, particularly as we go into the upcoming legislative session, is that Georgians are watching. Georgians are tired of the extremism. They are tired of uh, the violence that's emanating from this kind of uh, far-right extremist rhetoric. Um, and and I, I think, especially given that this, is, this year is going to, you know, we're going to be redistricting all the maps, I think this is such an important opportunity um, to, to address the hyper-partisanship that has really threatened the foundation of our democracy. And I hope that, that Speaker Ralston, that, that Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, that Governor Kemp um, will understand uh, this moment in time and work to ensure that we protect our democracy, that we do not move forward with um, these efforts to, to suppress the vote based on unsubstantiated uh, claims of fraud, um, empower the people and protect our democracy moving forward. So um, I, I know uh, that Leo and Renee, I want to get you into the conversation, but Kevin mentioned uh, uh, Kelly Leffler, uh, who was back in Washington yesterday uh, as the challenge is unfolded. She was on the Senate floor. Okay, she lost her election, so clearly she's having a bad days. Uh, nobody likes to lose. It really hurts. Uh, and I don't want to beat up on her, but, but she was planning, as she announced on the stage with Trump, on Monday night up in Dalton on being one of those senators who challenged the legitimacy of the election. Uh, and here's 
yesterday what she said on the floor of the Senate when she changed her mind. And I think it's important to play it uh, for reasons that we'll talk about after you hear this brief excerpt from her speech. The violence, the lawlessness, and siege of the halls of Congress are abhorrent and stand as a direct attack on the very institution my objected my objection was intended to protect the sanctity of the American democratic process. Though the fate of this vote is clear, the future of the American people's faith in the core institution of this democracy remains uncertain. We as a body must turn our focus to protecting the integrity of our elections and restoring every American's faith that their their voice and their vote matters. So Renee and then Leo, after three recounts of the Georgia vote, um, after certification of Biden's victory by 50 states, after um, the Electoral College met and declared him the winner, after a riot that a storm of people who stormed the U.S. Capitol, Kelly Leffler, the loser in the election, continues to perpetuate the myth that there was fraud and reason to be suspicious of the election that unfolded in November. Well, th- that's the type of double double speak that unfortunately pervades our political discourse. Like, say it straight. Speak the facts. You know, Leffler, uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, Leslie Graham, you know, they, they all it, it, I, I watched the, the, the vote, you know, deep into the night because it was just so fascinating to see and hear what everyone had to say about what was going on. There are elected leaders there. They just, you know, were under attack. They went into hiding. What did they have to say? What are, you know, and they're not going to get a gold star from us because they changed their mind at the last second. So, so much of what happened yesterday was their doing. Um, we won't forget that. You know, you, you, we, we read the names of the contingent from Georgia. We should always know their names. You know, we should always know the names of the seven senators that voted to challenge the, the votes. They will not be forgotten as, as perpetuators of chaos and discord. Leo? You know, I am hopeful for America, as many black American descendants of slavery have always been. But we're also not, you know, we're not naive about what's real. And both sides are contributors to where we are today. The fact is is that there's many black people who have always felt that we wish we could do something like that and get away with it without being killed, okay? Many, and many have been killed from Philadelphia to Compton to Wilmington, North Carolina to, to uh, Oklahoma been killed. So look, this, we have to start to address the white angst. We have to start to ask why Judicial Watch got behind people like Tom Fenton to talk, start talking about that our republic was under assault. This is pre-Trump, y'all. This is stuff that we have to get. Um, Sam, my brother, we cannot ignore Um, The other side, even as black people celebrate and brown people celebrate what happened in Georgia, you know, there are millions of America, 75, 70 million Americans who voted for Trump and who, 
you know, felt that there were allowances, unfair allowances that the left were getting away with, that COVID was a guise to, to overturn the election, that we've indoctrinated their kids to, you know, leftist ideology or anti-American ideology in our schools. You know, these people are broken, they're sad, and we need to address that as well, the same way the Marshall Plan tried to address that. We have to care about all Americans. Let's not get too gleeful on one side. Okay, I've got to get to a break, but I've got to respond or, or ask Sam, uh, the Democrat on the panel, to respond to something. Sam, uh, Leo says this has been going on on both sides. There's no question that in the past Democrats have uh, uh, undermined to some extent Republican presidents in terms of what they want to accomplish. That sort. But let's not have a false equivalency here. After right. a Republican president of the United States encourages a mob to march on the U.S. Capitol to suggest that, oh, well, Democrats have, a, have been bad, too, strikes me it's the wrong moment to create that. And I think Leo knows that as well. But, Sam, why don't you respond before we get to a break? Yeah, I, I, I don't I do not think that this is a both sides problem. I think it's it's an issue that's been um, the violence, the rhetoric. It's been driven by the Republican Party, by Republican politicians. And I think that's clear um, without a doubt. You know, I think, um, you know, for me as a Georgian, as an American, um, we have to address the root causes of these problems, which I think is is economic uncertainty. Um, but to say that this is both a Republican and Democratic problem, um, I, I would strongly disagree. Uh, you know, again, it's it's violent. The, the threat is emanating from the far right. We need to be clear about that uh, because we have to understand and acknowledge the problems if we're going to actually address them. All right. Um, we've got to get to our break. I will say that I do think what's interesting about the moment we're in is that we now have a Senate divided 50 to 50 with the vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, who will break ties. And if anything might encourage people to start working together, it could be the fact that we have now a split in the U.S. Senate. We'll see how that unfolds. Let's take a break. We'll be right back on Political Rewind. Welcome back to Political Rewind. Kevin, I want to come to you in a sec, but very quickly, uh, Amelia just sent me a note saying she thinks I may have misunderstood something Leo uh, said. Leo, uh, you were not suggesting that it's a both sides issue in terms of hatred and all that. She thinks what you were trying to point out is that both sides uphold a certain understanding of white privilege, of, of essentially white control of the, of the levers of power in the country. And if I misunderstood you on that, I apologize. Kevin Riley. So I'm going to do something I, I don't often do on this show, which is ask you a question. So um, uh, buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> uh, we started talking about Kelly Leffler, and uh, I'd like your assessment of where she'll end up in Georgia political history. I mean, you have witnessed so much Georgia history, and I know that you've spent a lot of time understanding the history before uh, you arrived in Atlanta, low those many years ago. But I mean, I just she just strikes me as someone that will really suffer as history looks back. You know, I think I, I, I'll throw that out to others, although I'm not sure what how significant uh, the question of her future becomes. I appreciate you asking me. I mean, I think it's entirely likely that Kelly Leffler's had her adventure in politics and will be prepared to go back to what is a very successful career as a uh, uh, as a as a successful businesswoman, her husband owns the New York Stock Exchange and exchanges around the world. Uh, they've lived a good life. Leo, you've I think probably known her. Um, 
you know, she was very well thought of in her social community, largely in Buckhead, among the wealthy people of Buckhead. And there were an awful lot of people who were very surprised at the turn she uh, took. So perhaps she now, Leo, goes back uh, to a successful business career. Yeah, you know, years ago when I first met her, when I was an executive with the Georgia GOP, um, actually, I think she had a hard time convincing Republicans that she was a, a Republican, that she wasn't a liberal. Um, and and so she probably does have that life. I heard a different tone of her voice, a tone of submission to what had really happened to us. And I think another thing that I was trying to allude to a little earlier is that I didn't say that in politics, there's this thing called electioneering, where people like Wall Street lobbyists pull together a candidate like her to fight for the New York Stock Exchange, and she's inserted there. And then they sort of have this agnostic approach, right, where it's all about just moving the change towards 50 percent plus one. She got caught up in that. She's almost like a victim in my mind uh, in some ways. But she had a moment there that I can't say that her future is completely done in politics because you know, as we look to the future, that moment where she had contrite heart might be something that she can launch on and sort of push back Vernon Jones uh, as a primary contender for Warnock. Well, we'll have to watch and see how that unfolds. If she's going to stay in politics, she's got to learn how to become a much, much better candidate than she was. Renee, I want to come to you, but I also don't want the show to go by without mentioning one of the best news stories for Democrats, uh, not for the Republicans who listen to the show necessarily. Uh, Both Ossoff and Warnock have now been declared winners, of course, of their Senate seats, but they both have won beyond the margin where where a recount can uh, be called for by the Republicans. Ossoff by uh, 0.8%, Warnock by 1.7%. So there's not even a a, a recount. Um, And at some point soon, uh, the election is going to be certified and they'll be headed to Washington. And I don't want to let the show go by without mentioning that, Renee. No, you know what? uh, I'm I'm glad you did. And I think, uh, you know, they were great candidates. They are great candidates. They, They have a very clear moral compass about what is right and what is wrong. And that's what I think was lacking in Leffler. You know, she swayed to the right. She swayed to the left. She just kind of swayed in the wind. So there wasn't really a a, a center, a core to her understanding of what Georgia is. And I think that's that's really uh, something that is is, uh, unfortunately an indication of so many of our elected leaders right now. There needs to be a moral compass of what's right and what's wrong. We need to have individuals go out there and say, we can do this. We can't do that. You know, some of the, again, I go back to some of the, the, the images. Um, th- there was a guy yesterday wearing a Camp Auschwitz T-shirt. There are flags <laughs> with, you know, the, the Confederate symbol. These are images of hate in the history of humanity attacking our government. Um, we're all tired of it, and things will change. So, so yes, I'm. I'm just so thrilled and excited that uh, Reverend that I can call Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff my two U.S. senators from Georgia. Um, and I, I think, in, in looking at the results and, and the numbers, the fact that both of them outperformed Joe Biden in places like Gwinnett, um, you know. I thought was astounding. Um, you know, being from Gwinnett and, and, and the chair of the delegation, I'm just so proud of our diversity. And, and talking to older Asian-American voters who are traditionally Republicans, they 
they told me we are vote. You know, I'm, I'm a I've been a lifelong Republican my entire life, but I'm voting for Joe Biden. I'm voting for Reverend Warnock, John Ossoff, because they are putting our country before before party politics. Um, and, and so, you know, the fact that Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff, that their campaigns were uh, focused on trying to fight for all Georgians on representing all Georgians, I think uh, appeal to our uh, uh, changing demographics. And, and that gives me hope for our future as well. Uh, Kevin Riley, let me share something with you and then uh, get you into the conversation again. Uh, Maggie Haberman, one of the New York Times uh, White House correspondents and really uh, who became a star covering Trump over the last uh, four years. She reported something fascinating, Kevin. Here's here's her quote. Trump was telling people today, meaning yesterday, that he was happy Leffler and Purdue lost, according to a familiar a person familiar with the conversations. Trump said they didn't defend him enough. How perfect that Trump uh, made this about him. But Kevin, go ahead with what you wanted to say. Well, when I asked you that question about her, uh, you focused on her political future, which which I thought led to a great discussion. But I just think when we open the New Georgia Encyclopedia online uh, someday in the future, she will be seen as a pathetic or maybe tragic character. I mean, Governor Kemp appointed her in what many saw as a brave and bold move to put a woman in the Senate from Georgia, which was historic on that day. And then we had someone who could finance her own campaign, had all these things going in her favor, and, and she decided to align herself with President Trump, who by then had clearly chosen a path that was uh, filled with lies. And, and then she got behind the stolen election idea. So this was someone who was on a course to make history who completely blundered it. And I really wonder if history will remember her that way or if she'll just be a footnote. Well, you know, what we'll never know about Kelly Leffler um, is what would have happened if Doug Collins, who the president wanted uh, Kemp to appoint to that seat, if Doug Collins had not entered the race, because there's no question, Sam Park, I think you would agree, that the Doug Collins challenge to her absolutely forced her into a position of moving as far to the right as possible. Now, she could have been there all along, for all we know, because she wanted Trump's approval. Uh, but both Brian Kemp and Kelly Leffler are paying a big price for what happened, Sam. So, so yeah, I, I think without a doubt, um, the Republican Civil War, um, in part caused by the split between Loeffler and Collins, um, but also between Trump and Secretary Raffensperger and a lot of the GOP establishment, uh, created a window of opportunity for both Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff. I do hope that, that my Republican colleagues um, will return back to the center, will focus on Georgians and abandon the extremism and, and, and hate and vitriol of Trump. And, and Sam Park, I wish that, well, Leo, real quick, you got about 20 seconds to make a point since you're the Republican on the panel. And that is, Sam, our way forward. It's going to take also a lot of humility and understanding from the left and from Democrats. But the way forward is a Georgia United. Maybe we can be an example for an America United. Thank you for uh, summing that up so uh, uh, briefly. 
Uh, Leo Smith, we always enjoy having you on the show. Renee Alegria, Sam Park, Kevin Riley, uh, thanks for a terrific discussion. I wish we, this is one of those shows I wish we had another hour because I'd love to continue hearing your thoughts on where we stand right now. Um, we will be back with a brand new show tomorrow. Among others, Calvin Smyrie, the dean of the Georgia legislature, will be here. I can't wait to hear what he thinks about how the week unfolded for good and ill. In the meantime, I I'm Bill Nygut. Take care. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. And you 4.5 million people out there, thanks for voting and proving democracy works. See you all tomorrow.